we never see Bond sitting outside Timpson's, you know, doing a stakeout with a Boots meal deal on his lap. I'm desperate trying to think of bread-based actors, but I can't. Well, good. as good as it is to get an insight into your family's bowel uh, movements. Naveed is your dad. Naveed is your dad. Hello, welcome along to the Build a Bond podcast. My name is Stuart Morrison and I am joined, as ever, by Fraser David MacArthur. Fraser, it's nice to see you sober. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Uh, it's a while since I've been this sober. <laughs> for a little bit of context for the listeners at home, uh, Fraser and I have only just returned from a fantastic weekend uh, celebrating his stag do in the lovely town of Lisbon in Portugal, which I remember not very much of. Yeah, it was a really great weekend. It was great to have you and the boys there. I, I keep saying now I want to go back to Lisbon and, and actually have a, an actual holiday. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go back there and see some of the culture and see some of the sites. But yeah, it was a brilliant weekend. Not a lot of it we can, of course, talk on this talk about on this public forum. Uh, no. It was great fun and uh, great though to be back and great to be doing Build a Bond after quite a long time not doing one. It's been a hell of a hiatus, hasn't it? Yes, it has been. I feel like we, we, we've just spent about half an hour trying to get all the recording recording software, finding, like, I've lost my headphones. I, I, we couldn't remember the any of the format points. So it's been a little bit of a yeah. hiatus. We've been, we've been busy boys, but we're back and we're excited. It's a Star Wars thing, right? That's it, <laughs> yeah. Well, for for the listener, and I suppose a little bit for ourselves, Fraser, do you want to jog our memories as to what, what we're actually doing? Oh, I'll give it a go. Um, this is Build a Bond, right? And the idea of Build a Bond is to bring on a guest, a very special guest, to design their very own fantasy James Bond movie. And they'll do that by casting Bond, a co-star, a villain, pick a director and a theme song all for their movie, and then they can do whatever they want after that. Any, It becomes an open forum to add whatever they want. Locations, gadgets, cars, plot lines, more casting, whatever you want. What bloody ever you want, uh, apart from one name that we don't want to come up. Because it's come up a lot, and we're a bit bored of it, uh, and that is Idris Elba. If uh, our guest today is to mention acclaimed actor, a musician, director, Idris yeah. Elba, um, then the bell will ring and there'll be a series of Idris Elba-based challenges for them to complete. Um, but other than that, as we always say, absolutely no rules. Other than that, no rules yet. They can pick anyone you want, anytime, dead or alive, or in between, um, <laughs> dying. <laughs> dying. Um, well, that was good. That was a good... Uh, to be honest, it was it was good to have the recap just from from my perspective and excited, very excited. You know, we weren't going to come back for anyone, but we've come back for would it be fair to say Scottish television royalty or just television royalty? Yeah, I, I would say so. I'd say a, a national treasure, um, mm. someone who's been part of our lives on television for a long, long time, and I'm assuming will continue to be into the future. Well, that's it. Yeah. So we can say that we've got the fantastic Sanjeev Kohli coming in. If you're scratching yep. your, your beard and thinking, who is Sanjeev Kohli? Then I suppose you will know him best as Naveed from the 
iconic sitcom still game, but he's also been in pretty much everything else that's been on your screens over the past, I don't know, like 10, 20 years? That's right, yeah, River City. Mm. Um, he had his own talk show. He's been on the radio. He hosts yeah. all these like children in need and stuff. He's, uh, he's yeah. some man. Some man. Done a few big films. He was in Filth. He was in Stan and Ollie as well. Um, yeah, what a CV. And now he adds to that Builder Bond. Yeah, he does. Uh, and I've got a wee uh, Sanjeev Kohli related challenge for you if you're up for the task. Okay, well, I've got to say now that I'm up for it, but I'll wait. <laughs> I'll see what the task is before I commit fully to it. Okay, okay. Well, I would, I would like, you know how, you know how iconic that Naveed character was in Still Game. Mm. Yeah, he was, he was dishing out insults here, there, and everywhere, and no nonsense, man. So I want you to try and get him. I want you to try and get him to insult me or you in the same way that Naveed would. Try and tease out a Naveed style insult. Exactly. Okay, so we we would be Mina in this scenario, I suppose. We'd be the Mina to his Navid, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, maybe even the Isa. Maybe indeed. Uh, tough. We, you know, always try to be friendly, but I I suspect we can uh, tickle him in just the right way to tease out a wee insult. I don't know. You could be coming straight off the bat, flinging insults at us straight away. We could be absolutely terrible, and he does it. Uh, well, here we go then. Here's the, here's the caveat. <laughs> If we're just really shit at interviewing him and he starts insulting us, <laughs> does that still count? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that could be that could be the thing. Yeah, uh, you might have <laughs> maybe fed up of our shite. Just <laughs> to <kick us laughs> off. Fair enough. Well, we'll try not to do that, but I will try and get him to jovially uh, make fun of us at some point. Um, any more admin we have to do before we get started? I want to. I want to just get him in. To be honest. Yep, just get them in, get your, uh, if you're listening at home, if you're listening in the car, if you're listening at school, get your IMDB open, get your fingers on the buzzers, see who you can recognise when, when Sanjeev makes his, uh, his big picks. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun one, I think. Now, 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 ladies and gentlemen, we've only gone and blagged one of our dream guests. This lovely fellow has set his name in stone on the pillars of Scottish comedy and drama by writing and starring in shows like Fags, Mags and Bags, River City, Gary Tank Commander and presenting his own big talk show. But it's one part in particular that has him etched in all our memories, and that's the no-nonsense, potty-mouthed, ever-reliable corner shop owner, Navid in the eternally funny still game. Can't quite believe our luck, but here he is, Sanjeev Kohli. Well, all I can say is, hello, and if I'm a dream guest, you need to dream bigger. Christ. <laughs> so you've realised your ambition pretty quickly in that Scottish way. If you'd only <laughs> dreamed bigger, you'd have had a longer journey to this, quite frankly, disappointing destination. Hey, listen, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. This I'm... is huge. <laughs> Well, like I say, dream bigger. Uh, yeah, no, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, uh, just once though, I just just once I'd like someone to say, but he's best known, of course, as Mother of Dragons in Game of Thrones, and just to see if anyone notices. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I'll accept that Nabid is equally iconic. You know, now you <laughs> so say I, that. Now, now you say that. That does ring a bell. And if we had gone to another series. This kind of story art from Navidi probably would have been laying dragon's eggs by 
So he's 11. It's kind of the way he was going. He was becoming a bit of an action hero with, with elements of legend. Have you, uh, and, and uh, you know, obviously there's the part that you're most well known for. And imagine when, you know, when you get stopped in the street, is it mostly Navid or, or do you ever get any of your other kind of characters or, or, other, or other shows that you presented or stuff? Well, what people will say is it is mostly Navid, but like I had a guy, um, like he stopped in, in his white van, he jumped down and he said, Synthesizer Patel, weren't expecting that, were you? Though I was in the beat, didn't you? I said, You're right, I wasn't expecting that. Because um, that was a, a, a lovely, um, one of my favorite jobs actually, um, was a, a show called Look Around You, which was, uh, God, 2005, and it was a spoof of Tomorrow's World, which both of you will be too young to remember. Yeah. You, used to be, you used to be on on a Thursday night after Top of the Pops, this is meaningless to you. Um, you don't even know what the days of the week are anymore. You can fucking you can watch a Bond film on a Tuesday. We to wait till Christmas. Um, so it was. This is very much appointment television, and it was about. It was where you'd first find out about three D television, or indeed microwaves or mobile phones. It was this half hour of what's happening in the future, and um, Peter Serafinovitz, the amazing Peter Serafinovitz, and Robert Popper wrote and produced uh, two series of Look Around You, and the second series was a no-perfect spoof of Tomorrow's World. And um, I played this character that uh, likes synthesizers so much, he changed his name to Synthesizer Patel <laughs> and um, got this amazing cult following um, and um, was a love... You know, to this day, 19 years later, 18 years later, people still reference it. So, yeah, but yeah, it's mostly Naveed, let's be honest. And I'm absolutely delighted that it is... Um, I'm not one of these actors that says, "Well, I have range," because, well, frankly, I don't have range. All of my <laughs> all of my characters are Asian. There, I've said it. Um, never been asked to play Italian or Chinese. A couple of times, Filipino. No, I'd. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. Look, I am not. Uh, I, I never for a second take for granted the impact that Still Game has had and um, the doors it's opened for me. And frankly, the number of free yum-yums I've had out of various branches of Greg's, I'm never, ever going to take that for granted. So, you know, people say, oh, you're bored of talking about Naveed. No, I'm not. Love him. He's been very good to me. And I really like him as a person, even though he's not real. Um, so, no, no, um, that is the guy I'm, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, so many workers shout, where's Mina at me? And, um, you know, you have to pretend it's the first time someone said it to you. Um, that, that's, that is your hardest acting job, you know. It's like yeah. I say this to Jane, like we've been doing these shows, these um, kind of audience with shows with some of the cast, and uh, we do these meet and greets. And every other woman that comes up for a picture says they call me Isa at work, and she has to pretend <laughs> that that's the first time she's heard that. And Jane's a brilliant actor, but even she cracks under the strain. <laughs> One day she go postal and will actually need someone in the fanny. And I want to be there when that happens. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. But see, at first, like it wasn't at first when it when it wasn't as big as and well known as it is now. Did like you didn't look a lot like Naveed. So no. did people recognise you. No, it was warmed in the early days. So you're talking now about 2002 when it started going out. Was and this genuinely happened. I was in, and this is this is how long ago it was. I was in Safeways, which doesn't even exist anymore. It's had three incarnations, and it's now Morrison's. Um, that sounds like a really low-key version of Doctor Who, but yeah. Um, so back in the day, it was Safeways, and, and I was pushing my trolley, and this wee boy, he stood and he pointed at me as I pushed my trolley past him. He's like eight years old, 
and his mum got leathered into him and said, stop staring at the Asian man, it's racist. But he, he, I think, had worn out the VHS tape that they taped. He could see that this hopefully younger-looking Asian dude was the older Asian dude they'd been watching on television, but no one else in Safeway saw it. So I think it was boys that age that were the ones that would stop me, first of all. And um, that's not great for your reputation, is it? You know. Um, uh, so, um, and, and then I think the voice is a giveaway as well. I mean, I remember being in a shop and I can't remember what I asked for, but I made a pensioner like jump a foot in the air because she thought, well, why do I know you? Why do, why do I know you? And, did, and she couldn't figure it out. And eventually, and that really, really embarrassing thing, you have to explain who you are. Um, oh, do you know a show called Still Game? Oh, like, you know, oh God, I hate doing that because it just sounds so arsy. Um, yeah. So the voice combination, I think the voice probably gives it way more than the, I am the same height as Naveed. I mean, almost exactly the same height as Naveed. Um, and our arms are also the same length, but I think the voice might be the giveaway. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. And and when did it sort of start to change from like being the odd eight-year-old in Safeways to starting to realise like, oh my God, this show is like enormous and you know, it's it has become a bit of a phenomenon. Was there a point where you realised that, or did it just kind of happen gradually? Well, no, there was um, there was a, 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 an MP. It was it was a Tory MP in in the House of Commons, and I can't remember what they're talking about. But he said, "This is Naveed economics." That's not true. Um, <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> um, you know what they say when it's mentioned in the House of Commons. Remember when Kendirji in Coronation Street was put in jail, and they were having debates about it in the House of Commons. Because clearly they were trying to fucking shield what was actually going on. So no, Naveed's never been name checked in the House of Commons. I don't think so um, far. So far, so far. Um, it's hard to tell because uh, I love it that kids get the show. Because uh, kids aren't going to lie to you. Kids will tell you if something's shite. And um, uh, I, except my own kids. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Kids love the show, but my own kids don't. So. Um, and that's because I, I get it. It's not that they don't love the show. They love the show, but they don't love the fact that dad's in it. Because frankly, when you're that age, when you're a teenager, you don't want any attention drawn to you, right? You're probably young enough to remember that. <laughs> you know, when you're two years where you're just like like a bullish beacon, you're just embarrassed by everything that your parents do and you hate them with a passion. So my, my, my kids, I mean, they're, they're through it now, I think. The youngest one still hates me a wee bit, but the older two are over it. But I remember... Um, and this is one of the funniest things that happened and, and, and it kind of brought home the impact of the show. Um, so my middle daughter, Belle, she must have been about 15 at the time and um, she comes home from school. It's Christmas time, right? She's absolutely raging with me. Raging. I said, oh, what have I done now? Did I make a noise when I was eating? What? And uh, and she said, why do you have to be famous? Why do you have to be famous? I said, because it pays for your shoes, you're ridiculous. I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I thought that. I said it with my face. I didn't say it. Uh, um, I said, well, what was happened? Why? And what had actually happened was, like I say, it was Christmas time. And uh, you know the um, the tune, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad. Mm-hmm. Two boys had come up to her, pointed at her and said, Navid is your dad. <laughs> Navid is your dad. And I said, that's genius. What's, your, what's the matter with you? <laughs> she was, I, I just remember thinking that felt like a kind of a, 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 a paradigm shift somehow. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and also, I guess when we started doing the hydro, and there was like mm. ten thousand of them in the room, you know. I mean, we had an idea, we had a handle on how popular the show was, but when they're all in one room, um, mostly drunk, then you have a pretty fair idea of you know of the impact of the show. I, I mean, my 
abiding memory is, I don't know if you guys saw the first live show, but um, we had to basically, you know, Ford and Greg said to us, look, ignore the fact that the audience are there. We're going to break the fourth wall in, when we come on. But hmm. when, when you guys just ignore the fact that there's an audience there. So poor Gab Mitchell was first. He was alone on stage behind the bar and had to ignore the fact the audience were there because you couldn't let them in. You know, if you let them in early, then the show's humped. You've got to try and keep yeah. the distance. So he had to do that. And then I had a scene, and we got big rounds of applause when we came on and roars, but we had to ignore that audience. And then there was a there was a, a scene in The Klansman without Jack and Victor, massive roars. Again, we had to ignore the audience. And then the first time Jack and Victor, the first time Ford and Greg are on stage, it's in their flat. And I tell you, there was a stadium roar for about a minute. <sighs> It was like, and we could hear this backstage. And I was even thinking about it now. The hairs are standing up on the back of my neck, right? And Ford and Greg are looking out. Jack and Victor are looking out into the audience, into the hydro. And they wait for it to die down. And then I think Victor says, is there a football game on tonight? It's an awful racket. They still don't acknowledge the audience. And then they eventually do. But that minute's roar, that felt like kind of the payback of the of the popularity, if you know what I mean, of yeah. the show, because it was always drip fed to us. I mean, laterally with social networking, you got maybe more of a handle because people could come at you online. But before that, um, yeah, we had a rough idea, but that was when it really crystallized. I think when we, when we did the hydro. Wow. Felt like a, a rock star on stage. So 21 times, cause that's how many shows we did. I got that Freddie Mercury moment 21 times and it was amazing. And, wow. um, but the thing was, was that in as much as it was my rock star moment, it was in the hydro, which was 12 minutes from my house. Because people would say, how's the tour going? It wasn't a tour. <laughs> it was in the same place 21 times. And like I say, you could practically see my house from the venue. So I've got a very strong memory of, I think we were seven shows in. And I got in, it was one of the evening shows, and I got in, at, I don't know, about 10, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, my Mrs. Fiona said, oh, how'd the go show, the, how did the show go tonight? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, another standing ovation. I've got some semi-skimmed milk for the morning. She said, have you been to the shops? I said, well, I, because I live here. And, uh, you know, what do you think I was going to be doing? Right, riding a white horse with Bianca Jagger? I mean, I'm taking the kids to school in the morning. So it, it, was, it was a lovely counterpoint between being Freddie Mercury and being school dad. Um, and I, I suppose that's what, you know, being Scottish anyway, you're never going to really be allowed to, uh, even if you wanted to. Um, get ideas above your station. It's not going to happen, is it? Because someone's going to someone's going to batter seven shades of fuck out of you. Try, so uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's amazing. It's uh, oh, so yeah, wonderful to hear these stories. I mean, I doubt this will be the last time that we talk about still game. We love talking about it, um, but I suppose we should at some point talk a little bit about uh, James Bond and the Bond film franchise, which is allegedly the reason that, that we're all here. Um, <laughs> I suppose the the first question is, you know, are you a fan? Is it is it a film franchise? Oh, absolutely. You like? I mean, I'm I'm fifty two years old, so um, I guess um, my bond was was Roger Moore. I mean, I do remember. I mean, it was proper event cinema, which I don't think. I mean, I I know more recently we could talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer, uh, as an event, but it had to be manufactured, didn't it, as an event? Whereas in my day, the Bond film was an event. Star Wars was an event. Um, and I, I've got a very, very strong memory of, uh, so I'm one of three boys, I'm the youngest of three brothers, and we went into town in Glasgow to the Odeon, 
I want to say Moonraker, and I think it probably was Moonraker, but it might have been The Spy Who Loved Me. Um, I'm going to say Moon- Moonraker was, was Moonraker 1980. Oh, no, and yeah, I think, yeah, I Moonraker. Know, I think 79. So, actually, so was The Spy Who Loved Me, was that 77? Oh, no. That was yeah, the one was before, yeah. Before, okay, yeah. do you know what? Spy Who Loved Me was The Lotus, wasn't it? Yeah, so it yes. must have been that, because I remember obsessing about The Lotus. So it was The Spy Who Loved Me, and me and my two brothers went into town, and uh, there was a queue, and we were lost. In the, we were the last to be allowed in, so people didn't get in, and we were the last three to get in. But there's only two seats. But it being the seventies, you know, that you know, there were there was no health and safety. Peter Fowles roamed free. It was fine, and um, I ended up sitting on my brother's lap, watching um, the spy who loved me, and um, really, really hoping he wouldn't get as excited as I was about the Lotus because that would have been awkward. <laughs> um, uh, so. There was that. There was that sexy lady in the helicopter. Sexy wasn't helicopter there? lady. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, sexy already at altitude. I think so. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, that, so it was proper event television, and it meant something. And he was a proper action hero. And at that age, you know, you're into the gadgets and the cars, and you ignore the casual sexism, sometimes formal sexism, and, and occasional bits of racism. I mean, Octopussy was a fucking mess. Um, but the it was. I always had, I think I was always, I was always, as I got older and I saw the faults and the problematic bits, I was always very forgiving because I thought, well, I'm very fond of the genre. I'm very fond of what it's trying to say and trying to do. And it is meant to be a bit of escapism. So, um, and it still gives me that free shot. I remember going to see Skyfall and thinking it was a bit of a return to form, apart from anything else, an amazing theme tune. I mean, I know that's something we can talk about, which is, how intrinsic the theme tune is, and how emblematic it is of the of of the genre, and and getting that almost Christmassy feel, you know, Bonds in town. There's a great theme tune, and you know, by this point, I've got three kids, but I'm taking them, and it's a family event again. So I think it's retained that level of excitement and and frisson down the years. And that's a we hear all doing this podcast and, and hearing stories like that all the time. The stories about the connection to your family and your, you know, obviously went with your brothers and then now taking your mm-hmm. kids. That that you know, it's that history of it as well, and and that plays in a little bit to what you mentioned about some of the the, the more old fashioned values from some of the previous films. You know, it's almost like a it's like a it's like a historical record of of attitudes and and you know what um kind of what was prominent in Hollywood at those times. So, uh, yes, I'm always interested to wonder, you know, what. What will be what's in the current Bond films that they will look back in, in 20, 30 years and think maybe that was uh, we shouldn't have really done that and, and, and other bits and pieces like that. Yeah, but also the other thing as well that you won't appreciate being I'm going to say youngsters like an uncle at a wedding. I've just done it. Um, <laughs> uh, is that uh, you, I, I don't think, I don't think we're as young as you think. I know, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, hold how, how old are you? We're both thirty one, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, well, so so you won't remember uh, three channel television, right. which became four. Which became four channel television in nineteen eighty two. I mean, you can remember watching cartoons at any fucking time you liked. <laughs> whereas we had to wait for the holidays. So you know, I'm I'm talking. You know, that feels like you know Victorian Britain, but that's what it was like. And but what it meant was, conversely, was that even on television, Bond was an event film. Mm. We had to wait till either Christmas Day or Boxing Day. 
And there's nothing I like better than getting the double edition Radio Times and seeing when the Bond film ones and circling the fuck out of it. <laughs> and that was it. You sat down as a family and you watched the Bond film and it was a proper Christmas treat. So I think I'll always associate it with Christmas as well. You know, I, I made a joke once that we'll never treat Diwali, the, the, the Hindu festival of light, seriously unless we get a Bond film. <laughs> now, the thing is, if on Diwali, which tends to be around about this time of year, there probably will be Octopus United before, right? So, but then you could probably find the Bond film on any channel, anywhere, at any point. Yeah. So it's lost that, yeah. you know. Well, they're, they're all on Amazon. It's like, now, it's like yeah. I, I was, all... I mean, on a slightly different note, I was um, just bored. I, I was I was in a hotel and, and I got this thing where I can't go to bed without watching something on telly. But you know what it's like when you're in a hotel and you've got limited channels. And they've always got the ITV3 and ITV4, which I'm not complaining about because you usually find something. And there it was, The Omen. And the place sat and watched The Omen for no reason at all because it was on. And that's something you couldn't do when I was a teenager. I mean, it was if you wanted to watch The Omen, it was quite the journey. Is that so, why everyone's so depressed now? <laughs> I think so. I think, no, because there's no, you know, it's like I say, you, you know, I'm your dream guest and you got me in five minutes. I mean, you, where's the sense of achievement? You know, it's like, I can be in a dog walk. If I want to listen to the most obscure song in the world, I can get it in two minutes. Where's the achievement? Sure. And well, speaking of then, let's uh, let's dive into it. Let's let's get you making a Bond movie, Sanjeev. Let's build your build your event blockbuster. How okay. are you going to get bombs on seats? Well, I mean, <laughs> or or is that even your aim? You know, you, you don't. You could be making a niche indie Bond as well. There's there's no rules here. <laughs> there's no reason why there can't be a Wes Anderson Bond. <laughs> For sure. where, where every frame is beautiful, but there's absolutely fuck all narrative. I mean, I think maybe that's the way Bond needs to go. No, I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I know I'm not the first to say it, but when they so, they try to fix Bond, when for me it's always been about the humour to drama quotient, the, the ratio. And I think we could probably agree that A Quantum of Solace was really dull. And we can also agree that Octopus, it was a mess. And um, just, you know, it was an absolute disaster. Um, and that, you know, you look at each of the Bonds and you think, well, did Roger Moore play it too knowingly? Did Daniel Craig play it too much like Bourne, you know, in the early days? What what was the point of making Bond when Bourne was doing what it did so well? And what was the actual difference? What was the, what was the, what was the, what made Bond, you know, unique? Um, so I think it's always been about that balance because you know you, you do need your um your kind of your, your element you, you, the elements you need you need um you need the action sequence you need the song you need the the gadgets uh, and then uh, above and beyond that then it, it becomes a tonal thing doesn't it um and i think i'm glad that um certainly in the daniel craig era they decided to reintroduce the humor cuz i remember i can't remember, i can't remember which one it was but the, at one point he was on a chair and he was were his testicles being electrocuted? Which <laughs> one was that? Yeah, they were being slapped with a big rope. Yeah, they? and you're thinking no, Roger, yeah. Roger Moore would have had 50 things to say about that, wouldn't he? <laughs> you know, the, no, the, honestly, it was a treasure trove of, of Tesco-related puns, and mm. Daniel Craig didn't do one of them. I thought, it's absolutely crying out. I think that maybe was the moment that the Broccoli family decided that, you know, oh, we missed a trick here, haven't we? Um, and <laughs> there, was a, there was a ball-related... Something about did you not say like oh I've, I've got an itch I need scratched or something like that something yeah. along those lines in Casino Royale yeah I tend to I disagree with you Sanji but I think that was actually a pretty funny moment and he's saying no to the left to the left <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that did he say that 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, well, let's it all back then. <laughs> but no, yeah, if, I do, I do get what you mean. Yeah. If ever a pun needed to be, you know, yeah, because that's what puns are for. That's you know, they're to relieve tension. You know, yeah. what more tense situation you're getting your your balls wrapped by a rope. Um, <laughs> so um, I think that is important. I mean, I you know, I come from a comedy background, and comedy is kind of where I live. And Daniel Craig can do comedy. You know, I've seen him do comedy. It's it's an interesting debate anyway. About my theory is is that all so-called comedy actors can do straight but not always the other way around mm, famously yeah. famously robert de niro didn't want to do midnight run which had been an absolute shame because it's one of the top 10 best films ever made certainly one of the top three best comedy movies ever made um but he was absolutely shitting the bed because he'd never done comedy before um and you know to his credit didn't think he was up to it and i think charles Grodin said to him look you don't have you don't have to think about it as comedy you know, it's it's not about you know punchlines and feed lines. It's actually character stuff, and you're the best at character stuff. And and you watch Midnight Run, and, and he's a natural, you know. So it's not every serious actor that can do comedy. And what's been quite an interesting development, I think, in uh, in the acting world is people like Chris Pratt and uh, Paul Rudd, right, who are known for being very funny, um, you know, actors that can mm -hmm. do comedy. They're comedy bones. And they get cast in superhero films and get ripped. Mm. And you think, we're going to stick to your lane. You can't be funny and handsome, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I look at Chris Hemsworth and he fucks me off. <laughs> like, mate, you're actually funny. You're going to fuck off? You're not... <laughs> it was always the rule that if you're good looking, you didn't need a personality. You know? That's true. Yeah. It was the ugly ducklings like us that had to develop a personality and get creative with it. So, Gonny, fuck off. So you've got this generation of guys, like I said, like Paul Rudd, who doesn't seem to age either. Yeah. So I would want a Bond that could do the comedy so that it was an option. And um, so first of all, obviously, I'm going to suggest myself. Yeah. Because in all the debates about is Bond white or black or whatever, the Asians never come into it. And probably, sure. for, probably for good reason, because we're not brilliant at action or indeed any kind of... Like I've always said, if you want to witness an actual drama, introduce a bee to an Asian picnic. We just absolutely shit the bed. We're, we're utter shite bags. And I can say that, right? <laughs> Jeanette, I don't know what it is, but we're utter shite bags. We're mostly soluble. We were never allowed out in the rain as kids. Um, we, we like the indoors. What we like is flat screen televisions. And, um, and um, we're, we're, to be fair, we, we would be at home in a casino. We know. So that, that the casino bit would be fine. But in terms of, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm rubbish with heights. I'm not great with depths either. So it'd be, it'd be a stretch to cast me. There'd be a lot of... Yeah, you're not, you're not really selling yourself right now, I'll be honest. There'd be a lot of stunt work required. But I do know a good stunt performer that doubled as Naveed. He was five foot ten and ginger, but he did the job. Um, um, so um, I'm only joking. I mean, I, I would be a shit bond. Um, but uh, I... Um, and I know that Jack Loudon is someone that... Uh, you know, he's someone that I would love to be cast as Bond because I met him once at the BAFTAs and I could say I met James Bond. Um, but then I also, <laughs> I also worked with Richard Madden in, in, in a show years ago. So I could, in fact, where I'm sitting now, I served him curry. I made him curry. So that's another, uh, and he'd be, A Scott should be someone that I made a curry for. I could say I made curry for James Bond 25 years ago. So that'd be nice. Um, but I would like, um, someone that can do comedy and also I, I love it when people are played against type I think sometimes you get a wee bit of extra value 
when you play someone against type. And one example of that is, um, I don't know if you've seen that Robin Williams film, uh, 24 Hour Photo. Yes. Where, where he does everything that Robin Williams isn't meant to do. He's still, he's quiet, he contains. And I thought it was a be- wonderful performance. And I thought you got extra value because you knew what Robin Williams is normally like. He's like a Catherine wheel. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's always on, he's always firing synapses. And you watch him playing it really still. Um, I also, um, I was in a film, I say I was in a film, I'm in the DVD extras of a film called Filth, which is the adaptation of the um, Irving Welsh book. Mm-hmm. And um, it features, um, so it's James McAvoy plays the lead, and uh, Eddie Marsan is also in it, two amazing, amazing actors. Now the thing is, is that until that point, uh, James McAvoy, certainly in more public roles, had only ever played quite genial people. And Eddie Marsander only played real bastards. But um, uh, John Baird, the director, he flipped it. So um, McAvoy played one of the most irredeemable creatures ever written in fiction. This Bruce Robinson is horrible. Um, and Eddie Marsan plays this lovely, uh, naive ingenue. And it works beautifully because you just don't expect it from them. So um, where I'm leading to with this is who I'd like to play James Bond is, and this might sound a wee bit left field, but John Hamm. Okay. Um, I, I think right. he's got the looks. I think he's a very handsome man. But also, he can do comedy. I mean, I think he, he has a gravitas as well. There's a, um, have you seen the film Bad, is it Bad Times at El Royale? At El Royale, yes. It's a really underrated film. Really underrated that. film. And he's very good in it, and um, as is everyone in the film, actually. Um, but I, he he does world weary very well, and I think Bond is world weary. You know, I don't think he's particularly enamoured with his job anymore. Um, it's difficult. I mean, this has always been my. I mean, I won't be the first to say this, but it was always my contention with Bond. Obviously, we it, it is a bit of escapism, and uh, we need to suspend our disbelief at points. But it's all very well. Like, obviously, Bond has to look good in a dinner suit. Obviously, Bond has to be look good in a scuba diving suit, right? But we never see Bond sitting outside Timpson's, you know, doing a stakeout with a Boots meal deal on his lap. And that would be 23 hours of the day for Bond. He would be on stakeouts, constipated, eating donuts. I mean, that, that you, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, he would be Midgeraker. I mean, I know that joke's been done, Moonraker, Midgeraker, but a lot of it would be going through bins. If I saw someone as handsome as Pierce Brosnan sitting outside Timpson's with a Boots meal deal, alarm bells would ring. Yeah. Not so much the chameleon as he needs to be. So if yeah. we're talking about realism, like an international like killer spy would need to be a bit more ordinary looking. So, but let's ignore that. John Hamm is a very handsome man who probably would stick out, like I say, then outside Timpsons. Um, and also John Hamm, that's two monosyllables, <laughs> as is James Bond. He's got and John that Hamm. is why you're making John, John Hamm, Hamm is James Bond. I mean, that that's never happened before, yeah. has it? No. Daniel Craig is. Daniel Craig and Roger Moore and Sean Connery. John Hamm. Yeah, Jim, never happened before. Cool. John Hamm. That would be the that would be the win for diversity there. It's the first monosyllabic <laughs> name yeah. to Bond. I mean, there's, um, there's obviously issues with his surname because that's going to alienate three Abrahamic religions. But um, <laughs> I, um, I I I do think he has that. Yeah, he, 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 he looks the part. He's, he, he's, he can do world weary um, and any comedy that came his way he would handle with a plot. Yeah, I think that uh, I I mean 
obviously in Mad Men, but a very serious role, and that's I guess what he's most famous for. But then, pretty much like after that finished, or even when that was still going on, he did take. I I, I remember seeing him in loads of like smaller parts, but all like sort of comedy based parts. Yeah, he did a bit in, stuff like Bridesmaids. Yeah, and, Bridesmaids. Yeah. He was in Toast of London. He did like a comedy bit in that. Yes, right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in Wet Hot American Summer as well, kind of like a silly American band camp show. So he did. He also made like an effort after being in such a serious role to be like, you know, I can be fun too. I can do, you know, stuff that's a little bit out of, uh, you know, my typecast. So I think he'd be. I think he's a yeah. great comedy actor as well as being a, you know, a great leading man. He so is. Also, one of the one of the yeah. best guest stars that I've seen in a long time was John Hamm in Thirty Rock. Have you watched Thirty Rock? You know, 30 Rock's one of those things I was talking about that I, I, I just haven't had the time to engage great, with. Great guest performance from him in that. Really, really good. Um, yeah. Very funny. I don't want to spoil it, but very funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I mean, we already know he looks great in a suit. That's, you know, that, that, that's, yeah. Again, that's pretty I mean, I mean, also, we were t- talking about 30 Rock. I mean, I know Alec Baldwin is in 30 Rock and he has his issues just now, but he was someone that was only ever known for serious roles. And then I saw him in a Saturday Night Live sketch in 1993, and he was just so funny. They're sort of similar. They you know they're very handsome guys who can do straight ahead hard stuff, but also can do quite goofy comedy. Not even subtle yeah. stuff. They can do the whole bit. I I'd um, also include. Yeah. Uh, I'd put George Clooney in that category as well. He yes, was a great, yes. you know, obviously a great actor, and then has now pivoted and does amazing comedy roles as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt, yeah. It's not fair. But it's I think John, 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 John Hamm maybe doesn't have the baggage that they all have. Mm. I know that he had, you know, you could argue he was a lead in Mad Men, but it was on ensemble pieces. Has he been the lead in anything? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I could, I'm, I'm willing to be corrected, but... Not in like a, um, like a big blockbuster kind of franchise or, yeah. or, or a big film, I think it's... Uh, yeah, definitely not. So... Yeah, John Hamm. What sort of bond is he going to be? What's his kind of? He's kind of older, I guess. He's a he's he's kind of older, wider, yeah. world weary. Older, world weary. I mean, you know, um, what is the youngest that Bond's ever been? I think George Lazenby was about thirty, wasn't he? I think he was pretty young. Yeah, but, but I remember thinking when I watched that, even laterally, that he felt older than that. You know, yeah. it, it was almost like Bond always felt like he was maybe hovering around forty, for me. Yeah, that's probably yeah, about Rod, right. Roger yeah. Moore was definitely uh, punching above that yeah. like, later on in his career. He's brought the average right up, I would say. Because he was, like, am I right in thinking he was, he was in his 50s for Moonraker? Yeah. Or maybe just about. Because he was pushed. And, that was, he was, and that's when it started to feel slightly like, well, you know, where uh, as much as I do love Roger Moore and I do, um, just as a human apartment than else, he just seemed like a good sort. He has that quality of self-awareness that I think is really important. You know, have you seen that interview that he did with Barry Norman? Barry Norman says to him, uh, why, do you, um, why do you always uh, self-deprecate? And Roger Moore says, well, I suppose that uh, I'd like to do it before anyone else will do it. And then Barry Norman said, what if they didn't do it? And he went, well, I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> he was always expecting the slagging. And Barry Norman actually said, what if he didn't slag you? I think he just always thought he was going to get slated. I love that pick. I'm, I'm, uh, what, what are you thinking, Francis? I'm thinking it's good. It's not my favourite. Can I just say it again? Can I just say this again? John Hamm is James Bond. <laughs> oh, I, I like it less now. It's not, it's not to argue with. <laughs> I, w- I would like to see him in in this film with Kevin Bacon. Two poor yes. actors. Yes, yes. Um, um, again, I mean that that would be you would probably be a big big dent in global sales, but you know it would be a fun thing to do. 
Yeah, but no, I, do, I do think he would. He would. He would love the role, wouldn't he? He would. He would absolutely embrace it, and he would run with it. And I feel like he wouldn't. He wouldn't have to do loads and loads of them. He would be. He would be fine to do one or two. And just bow out and just live in the glory of the the, the two couple that he did. Do what he could do. He could do one and then leave the next one and do the one after that, and it'd be a ham sandwich. <laughs> I've only I've always only realised now that that's wrong because it would have to be the two bread on the outside. Yeah, that, the yeah. So he could, in fact, he could only do one. Yeah, it's got to be in, in between, like John Baguette. John Baguette. We need to. Uh, there's no, I can't even think yeah, of anyone. I'm definitely, I think of bread based actors, but I can't, yeah. No, I can't, um, that's it. But we'll, but we will by the end of this, yeah. we'll come up with one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that joke too much. Um, <laughs> amazing, cool. Um, before we, I guess, like before, yeah, we go on and talk about the rest of your cast and, and crew and everything. You mentioned earlier, yeah, a little bit about um, there's no talk of any of an Asian bond and that sort of thing. I wanted to hear, I guess, from your perspective as, as maybe one of. Maybe you don't see it this way, but one of the first like really prominent Asian actors in, in Scotland, definitely with a with a role on that scale. You know how how was that for you, and 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 do you think you know it was a positive thing? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's good to be able to for for the you know there because there is a generation of um of uh, younger Asians that maybe see acting as a career, and they can say, oh, there's that guy on that show, which I guess I never really had. Um, well, I did, but they were really, really bad parts. You know, <laughs> things like rubbish seventy sitcoms where the Asians were the butt of the joke. So it's nice to be able to provide that. But then you look at the, you look at the way that casting's gone. It's very interesting. Like someone like Armando Iannucci, who's a bit of a hero of mine, cast Deb Patel in the lead of uh, Dickens a- adaptation. Mm. You know, and there's, there's no reason for him to have to do that, but he did it. And I thought that was really brave and, and really, uh, you know, to be applauded. And that's happening more and more. It's, we're still not quite there yet, but I I, I have noticed that I'll, I'll get sent auditions. Um, and, and clearly the, the part, you know, the guy's called Kevin. It wasn't written for an Asian guy, but they're thinking, well, why can't it, you know, why does it have to be limited ethnically? Of course it doesn't. Um, so that's been quite refreshing. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm someone that... Um, I grew up, you know, I was born in London, grew up in Scotland. I've got very British sensibilities and it tends to be comedy that I work in. And I do think that comedy is, comedy and music are the two areas. Well, comedy, music and stealing other people's shit are the three areas where Britain has really punched above its weight. And uh, I think um, comedy still, you know, you talked about Toast of London there. Um, it, it, I'm so proud to be associated with people like Matt Berry or, People like Peter Serafinovitz, or you know, I, I do think that um, comedy or Sasha Baron Cohen, for that matter, we, we we still punch above our weight. And um, it's I grew up with those British comedy sensibilities, and I, I, I it, it's lovely to be able to be, a, a, you know, in, in my small way. I mean, I, I, there's more I can do. I'd love to the people I'd love to work with um, in the comedy world. Like, for example, Matt Berry. I, although I was I wasn't the very last IT crowd. And I was, I did a table read and Matt Berry was there because he was in the episode, but I've never, you know, these are people that I would love to work with. Um, and I have worked with Amanda Inucci. Um I was in Avenue 5, which was a HBO um, yeah. thing about uh, cruise ships in space with Hugh Laurie. I got to play Hugh Laurie's husband, if you can believe that. But yeah, no, it's, 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 it's great to be able to show to younger people that it's possible, put it that way. 
Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Great to hear. Should we get going through through some other parts? Fill out your yeah. fill out your Bond film. Yeah, um next we we typically go for the what is historically known as the Bond girl, but uh, yeah. really we can kind of take it anywhere. We call it the co-star, so you can do anything you, you like with it. Did, did you have a someone in mind? Well, someone with range who I feel can't do wrong is Margot Robbie. I just think everything she does, I don't think there's anything she can't do. Even when she's underused, as she was in uh, um, Once, Upon Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, she still manages to somehow not steal it, but, you know, make an impact. Oh, but then you look at, you know, um, I thought Barbie was, I thought she was absolutely fantastic in Barbie. I, you know? I, I would even say, considering it's the Barbie film and she played Barbie, she was somehow even underused in that to an extent. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but a yeah. lot of people, a lot then, of people say that yeah, Gosling stole the show. But yeah, I think I think her performance was pretty incredible. Yeah, and I Tonya. Yeah, um, is a startling. Mm. Um, the obviously the Wolf of Wall Street was scandalous the way she was used in that film, given what she's capable of. Why would you hire someone that good and then just use a, you know? But she was brilliant. There's nothing she can't do, and she clearly is, you know, conventionally beautiful. Um, in that way that Michelle Pfeiffer probably was underused or badly used because she had the cheekbones. It's like, well, also, by the way, she's an amazing actor. So Margot Robbie is someone that, you know, I'll watch a film with Margot Robbie's in it. I think she's that mm. good. Um, but coming back to the playing against type thing and the comedy thing, I'm a massive fan of Kate McKinnon. Mm. Um, and Again, I think she's someone that can do anything. And, you know, you watch it on Saturday Night Live. She's an amazing mimic. She's a chameleon. Um, but I, I, I'm I, just thinking now, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen all her work. Maybe she has played straight ahead, serious, menacing. I, but I've never seen it. I'd love to see her have a go. I think she could do it. She has this intensity, she was, which she is was amazing. It, was it called Bombshell, the film about Fox News? Was, oh yeah! Was kind of in fact, was Margot Robbie in that as well? Uh, no, I don't no. think so. No, I don't think so. No, no. Maybe um, I'll just IMDb that to be yeah. sure, so we can <laughs> we can fact check ourselves. Um, but who is it? But what was the name of the brilliant comedy actress? I always say comedy actress like that's not real actress. Yeah. I don't mean that, but uh, but she played Lot of Vagina in in in, in uh, Austin Powers, and. Kate McKinnon reminds me of her, except she wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want her to be playing as comedy comedy as that, because that was actually a comedy. But the similar sensibilities. She was she was very yeah. good. So no, Kate McKinnon is someone, again, I'll watch a film with Kate McKinnon's in it. Um yeah. and, and she can bring the intensity. But that again, there that Margot Robbie is in Bombshell. Oh. That's, uh... Yeah, I think she was the younger Yeah. I think you're the younger the, the younger journalist. No underused. Yeah. Yes. Um um, but she, you know, she's doing okay, and you know, bless her heart, she doesn't know that her name is rhyming slang in Scotland. <laughs> Does she know? Is she aware of that? She must be now, surely. Some yeah. days must have brought that well, up. You know, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure she's used up. She's used up to Brad Pitt. I think <laughs> certainly in our house. Uh, if if it's a longer one, I'm going for Brad. If it's a little SES number, it's, it's a quick mark. <laughs> That's just, I know. Do you know what's that nowadays? When you when I think because like, well, you'll know, Sanjay. Like when you do like shows and you have like these big press junkets and and you have like interview after interview. Now you find like there's certain interviewers that'll be what much more daring and they'll like do things like yeah. that and they'll bring up stuff like that just to try and get like a viral moment out of like an actor. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely one that. 
next time she's uh, being interviewed by a Scottish channel. Yes. That's the thing I know for a fact. If I ever get to meet her, I'm going to tell her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell her. And, 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 and I, I want to get some kind of plaque made up. I mean, I, 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 it never happens, does it? But, um, I mean, you know, I used to, I did a tweet about this. Um, uh, my name is Sanjeev Kohli. And there used to be a euphemism for, for, for excreta, which was totally. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you, um, and I, I did a gig with Shireen Nanjiani. I said, isn't it really, really unfair that the two more prominent Asians in Scottish broadcasting, one's a fanny, one's a totally. Um, so, but you don't, get, you don't get any kind of accreditation for that. It's purely word of mouth. So I would have nothing physical to give to Margot. I'd have to make something out of spoons of vinegar. I don't know. A certificate of some sort, yeah. Like a... some, 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 something laminated, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You'd make the effort for Margot, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. as good as it is to get an insight into your family's uh, bill movements, let's <laughs> let's, let's pin, that, pin one down. Shall we? Are we pinning down Margot, Michelle, Pfeiffer, or Kate McKinnon? <sighs> I think... I think if we if we go for John Hamm, I think maybe we need to go for Margot Robbie because you might might be a bit too much okay. comedy sensibility in, in a one or so. Um, although Margot and Kate could be sisters. All right, okay. Could be sisters. Have we seen evil sisters? We haven't seen it in a Bond film. Um, uh, yeah, have them as Bambi and Thumper. Like, yeah, that's what they're called. <laughs> Uh, no, Bambi and Dumper were from. That was Di- Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, that's right. I don't think they were I sisters. Think, though. I don't think they were sisters. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Oh. Adopted sisters. Just, just friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> Diamond and Pearl. No, that's Prince. Um, <laughs> so um, I'll save Kate for the next one. I think. So let's just go with Margot. Right. So we're deleting the sisters line. I think so because I don't want Margot to be unused again. She's had plenty of that. Okay. That sounds good. And until until I can get the laminated prize that I can hand to her, I don't want to underuse her again. That would be like a, a double punch in the face. Yeah, you'd have to think of another certificate to, to give to Chris yeah. as well, so it'd be get, you'd get convoluted. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking of your own social embarrassment here as you pick the, the, the guest. It's very important. <laughs> yeah. How do you think the broccolis navigate their way through this? I know, of course. It's all about who they might, bump, might or may or may not bump into at a dinner party. <laughs> This is how they decide. This this yeah. exact process is how they decide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. Um, cool. So we've got a Bond. We've got a co-star. Let's have your pick for villain. Villain. Well, um, I, th- I think one of my favorite, um, possibly my favorite, was um, oh, who's the guy that played Drax? Uh, um, oh, not Drax. What was he called again? In, in, in Moonraker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, was, um... he was fantastic. I thought I should know his name. Yeah, I'm he just sure. died I, recently, didn't he? Yeah, but I loved just that he had that a sort of detached thing. He didn't overplay it at all. And someone else that that is brilliant at that is Mads Mikkelsen, who I know has obviously been um, a Bond villain. But I I loved his performance. Have you seen Hannibal, the the TV series? I've seen bits of it. Yeah, no, yeah. And Mads Mikkelsen plays Hannibal, and you know, like a a more evil person you couldn't envisage but weirdly because he played it so detached and almost natural you you didn't empathize with him but you empathized as much as you could with yeah. someone that actually mm-hmm. ate other human beings um so yeah but like in terms of genuine menace a bit left field though but um someone that always unsettled me was andrew robinson now he was the killer in dirty harry and there was just something about him that really unsettled me. And he's, he has worked since. He was in 
Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and I know that because IMDb. It's not sure that I, I watch, but he. So it's not like he's been completely. I think he's still with us, but the, yeah. the Dirty Harry era, Andrew Robinson was genuinely unsettling. It's an unsettling film. It's like you watch Dirty Harry, you do need to have a bath. It's <laughs> something that it gets into your bones. It's it feels like the seventies. It smells like the seventies, and there's just it's a moral cesspit and. Andrew Robinson's character, there's just something about him. There's, a, there's just this kind of trigger hair thing where he could go off at any point, which which I liked. Um, is it, I also, he's got five syllables in his name. Andrew Robin, Andrew Robinson. So are you saying what John Hamm couldn't be evil because he's, he's, he's done? <laughs> well, I'm saying that's, why, that's why you're scared of Andrew Robinson because he's got so many bloody syllables. You, you possibly just unlocked my phobia now. I didn't know. <laughs> Um, I'm not a massive fan of Engelbert Humperdinck, I'll be honest. Um, uh, and I, I think also, I did have to Google him. I didn't know the actor's name. Yeah, I just had to check. I am here as well, just to just to just to check. And there's another actor who he hasn't done Bond. He has done Mission Impossible, and he has done uh, the now. What was it called again? It was a deeply depressing, disturbing drama about. Set in Yorkshire about um, in in the seventies, it was called the Ridings or Red Ridings, oh, yeah. and that that called Sean Harris. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got he kind of got that kind of hook nose thing. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. He's got he, a really creepy face, is, but just he just it brings a, an energy, a, yeah. a, 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 an unsettling energy. He would again would not have to overplay it at all. He just has this brooding energy, which is really quite arresting. It would be between Andrew Robinson and Sean Harris for for the baddie. I think. Mm. I yeah. would. I would. I would scream for for Sean Harris. I think he's. Yeah. He would be great. He's yeah. Really like I remember he was in a show years and years ago called Cape Fear. Uh, oh yeah. In Channel Four, and it was he was obviously a villain in it and yeah so good so very menacing and very yeah quiet um, quiet cape cape wrath was it called cape wrath yeah cape yeah. wrath yeah that he was yeah. in prometheus as well another another favorite of this That's podcast right. um yeah yeah well we're biased i think towards sean harris but it is your call sanji at the end of the day no no i mean i i like him a lot and i think um again he's someone that people know but they aren't overly familiar yeah. with so it's quite, I, I like it when you see that when, when you catch someone on the cusp mm. when they haven't maybe got the baggage of yeah. a massive performance in a production it's a it's a great this, one pick because it's not it's someone that you, you as soon as you I, I, I literally just google him there and saw him it's like oh yeah that's it yeah i know that he's in that he's in that um and it's not a pick we've had before either which is which is brilliant although i don't think we've had john ham before either to be fair yeah i'm inventing a new genre here aren't i, I know yeah Brilliant. Yeah. I think that was a very popular choice, Sean Harris. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Ad Robertson as well. Yes. Next up, director. An, honor, an honorable mention to uh, uh, Andrew Robinson. Yes. <laughs> um, cool. What uh, What have we got next for the Bond film? We've got director. Is that right? Is that next? Director. Yeah. Let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was. Do you know what I was thinking? Um, well, I, I guess we've... first it would be good to hear directors you've worked with and, and directors that you've really liked and enjoyed uh, performing for uh, yeah I, it's a weird thing because I, I, I like um i do like an actor's director i mean i i i'm still officially in river city although i've hardly been in it for ages but one of the good things about working on on a continuing drama is that you work with multiple directors and you see different approaches 
So some directors are all about the shot. Some directors are all about the actors. And you get directors that don't even come onto the floor. They just direct their notes through the first AD or whatever. Or you get other directors that come round and they arm round you and they explain stuff. And I guess I like that kind of director, the kind of actors director. Um, but yeah, and I, I mean, I still the the art of directing is something that is lost on me still. You know, you know, like I remember someone saying to me, "You should be directing comedy." I said, "I wouldn't know where to start." Well, I think that's uh, unfair considering your performance in Guy Tank Commander, where you were an excellent director. <laughs> well, fair, fair play, fair play, and I, I did base that on a. I was going to play him Australian, believe it or not. Because <laughs> I, I just worked on this thing called the One Night in Emergency, and the director was this bloke, and he ca- called everyone Grover. Or what, Grover? And he's like this. And I wanted to play him like that, but I wasn't allowed to. So I'd... Um, I went to South Africa. Um, um, that's probably why I wasn't allowed to do it, too. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm in awe of what directors do. Um, because I am a storyteller. I should be able to direct, but I don't know. I, I, there's, a, there's a mystery. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't quite get a handle on what they do and how they do it. Um, whereas I can write and I can act, so I'll probably just stick to that. The whole directing thing is, is I just let them do their job because I, I don't understand it. Um, and for this, for, for, for uh, Bond, I, I was kind of thinking of... I'm, I'm a massive fan of the original Superman films, one and two. I loved the uncomplicated nature of them. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, they're more comic book, aren't they? And they're almost like fifties comic book, but then it was Richard Donner that directed the first Superman, and I think the second one. But I've mentioned the Omen as well, haven't I? Mm. And he directed the Omen, and there's a beautiful atmosphere to the Omen, and the real the Omen shouldn't work as a film. It's utter hokum. <laughs> there's a child with the letter six 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 behind his ear. I mean, it should not work. But you know, we were talking about menace and stuff, and Billy Whitelaw in the Omen. Oh my God. I, you know, maybe she should be the baddie, actually, Billy Whitelaw from The Omen. My yeah. God, she's amazing. But the sense of menace that runs through that film um, is it's, it's rarely recreated. I have, you know, another film is The Exorcist. I mean, I know it's another horror film. And I haven't, and I don't want to watch this remake. I've heard bad things. Um, I, I think I'd rather just remember The Exorcist for what it was. Um, but I would maybe slightly controversially give the directing uh, reigns to uh, to Richard Donner. Great. Okay. Circa the Omen. I know, because, uh, you know, he, he can direct action. I mean, one of the most iconic scenes I remember from my childhood, the two that everyone talked about from when I was a kid, was, was uh, the, the scene in Alien, when the alien comes out of John Hurt's stomach, and the scene in the Omen where... Have you both seen the Omen? Yes. I have not seen the Omen, no. You, you should watch it. Um there's a scene where a photographer gets his head uh, sliced off by a uh, plate glass. And um, it was, the, everyone talked about it next day at school. It was proper impactful. Um, so um, in as much as obviously there are more obvious choices for someone that can do action. Um, I know obviously you've got, um, is it Paul Greengrass that does the Bourne films? Yeah. Who's brilliant action. Is it Paul Greengrass? Yeah. I got that wrong. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. But I'll yeah I'll go for Richard Donner I think yeah. who also did the Lethal Weapon films so has the yeah. action yes the action oh yeah degree. of course of course yeah 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 um, so um, and I mean talk about humor and action like Lethal Weapon amazing yeah 
Um, oh, how much would you love to see James Bond strapped a toilet saying he's too old for the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, you did mention that you wanted your 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 John Hamm to be sort of world weary. Um, so I, yeah. I think that line could find its way in somewhere. And you could be really, really meta and somehow showing the fact that John Hamm's doing a Margot Robbie. And it's too meta though. And that, that breaks it, that breaks it. We can't have that. That would be a joke just for the Scottish audience. Yes. Yeah. Having eating having eaten a Richard Donner. <laughs> <laughs> Are you rhyming Donner with Donner? No, I think I think No, no, no it's not really rhyming. because Richard Donner spells it at two ends and Donner kebab's got one end, so it's not really a rhyme. That's a cheat, isn't it? It's just the words. It's more like after you it's have a, a Richard Donner, you often need a Margot Robbie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just, just goes right through you. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Well, that's uh, what an eclectic lineup of uh, of people involved in this film so far. Pretty. Uh, well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that no one's come up with any of these. <laughs> we've definitely never had a Richard Donner before. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. No, we, de- we definitely no, haven't. We've definitely never had Sean Harris. We have had Margot Robbie, as you, you'd maybe expect. Um, yeah. We maybe have had John Hamm before, but not as Bond, I don't think. Yeah, I can't think off the top of my head if we've had him, but uh, I think, yeah, four great yeah. shouts so Yeah, far. we've definitely discussed him on this show, but I can't remember who I can't remember who would have picked him. But yeah, Richard Donner, John Harris, for sure. In terms of the film side of things, for the most part, that's the main ones. We have a little yeah. bit of time now just to talk music and talk Bond theme songs. Um, obviously, you've hopefully made a pick for yours. Is there any existing theme songs that you love? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Um, I loved Paul, I have to say. Um, I thought it was a real return to form, and it had the, you know, it could be nothing but a Bond theme, but it still sounded like Adele. Mm. Um, um, but only slightly concerningly, it sounds it sounds like she's saying Cal Paul. Which is the um, kids' medicine? I know she had a kid, so I was wondering whether. Anyway, um, the uh, or spag ball, spag ball. Uh, but I did love that. Um, my two favourites, though, might be. I mean, I do love nobody. Um, nobody does it better, but it's a beautiful song. But it doesn't sound like a Bond theme. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so I you don't absolutely get... disagree. I think it sounds. I think it's the quintessential Bond theme. Yeah. But I think my two favourites are probably, I wouldn't be the first to say this, um, is Aha. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Live and Let Die. Um, because they say, what was the devil's greatest trick? It was introducing reggae into a Bond theme. Well done, Maka. Um, but also, do you know one, one that I sort of forgot about was The Man with the Golden Gun? <laughs> yeah. Lulu. Right? Because, right. No. Uh, it is, it's wonderful. Um, Lulu, it's actually Lulu at her best. I mean, Lulu gets a hard time. Uh, especially from Scottish folk who think that her American accent is put on. The, um, uh, it, it's there was a um, my, my my mate Renzo. Um, he puts together like mixtapes on CDs, yeah, and he'd put um, uh, the Man with the Golden Gun on the CD. And I was driving to my work, River City, right. So I'm banging it down the A82, listening to the Man with the Golden Gun. I'm singing along. And it's the most Alan Partridge thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a powerful weapon. <laughs> and that was me. Honestly, I was. That was me. I thought this. this it, I am Partridge, but it is. It is. It, but because it has those little John Barry stabs, it does sound like you know Aye. a Bond thing. Um, so I, I would want to. You know, I'd want to uh, recreate that, obviously, because I did. I was going to say jokingly that you know, wouldn't it be funny if Chaz and Dave did the Bond theme? And uh, um, purely because. I was thinking that they could call the song, you know, they've got that song Rabbit, 
but they could just call it gadgets because it's got that line, you've got more gadgets and things. So, um, but no, obviously I wouldn't do that. Um, I would probably go for, um, well, Amy Winehouse, I think we're all agreed, would have been an amazing, uh, done an amazing Bond theme, but um, Goldfrapp, I think um, Goldfrapp has, um, comes with, Alton Goldfrapp comes with that lovely sense of mystery and intrigue and guile and drama. I mean, she has that already. Um, I think she'd be she'd do an amazing Bond theme. I wouldn't want to go down that route of Nine Inch Nails or or garbage. I just don't think. I think it needs to sound Bondy enough. And um, yeah, I think I think Goldfrapp would be would be a good shout. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna put yeah. my hands up and say that I am not super familiar with Goldfrapp's back catalogue. If you can give us a wee rendition, maybe just to give us a taste. Oh well, well, well I won't give you a rendition, but if you look for a song called "White Horses" by Goldfrapp, there's, there's a whole album that she does, which is all women's names, and every single one of them could be a Bond theme. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, so atmospheric and live as well. I, I saw her at the Six Music Festival in Glasgow, and live she brings the drama as well. So um, no, Goldfrapp, go, uh, I'm not going to sing to you. I've already done my partridge. <laughs> yeah, if you want. <laughs> Um, no, that that that's brilliant. Yeah, go so that yeah, the, the sounds female vocalists, atmospheric. That sounds like it's Bond all over. Any yeah. thoughts, Fraser? Um, Goldfrapp, I'm kind of on the same boat as you, Stuart. I'm having a Google here of Ooh La La. Mean anything to you? Yes. Good. Uh, Ooh La 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 La. That's the least Bond thing she's done. Yeah, but I do. I, that is the one, the only song that I would probably recognise. Sanjay, before you go, is there anything else you want to add? into the the film you've got your bond you've got your co-star your villain director etc any other any other bonds bits or pieces well i, well, I guess the title yes. um um I, I did i used to as a joke you know there's talk about idris elba getting the gig and whether or not his you know his ethnicity should be mentioned or referenced uh-huh. i thought absolutely go for it cast idris elba and call it death by chocolate <laughs> just just for a laugh just for a laugh because it's got death in it. I know it's normally, yeah, there's always dying or death, isn't there? So death yeah. by chocolate, I think would be, you know, and, and also that could maybe inform the plot. It could be like, a, you know, a mass produced cake that kills Like people. a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory um, style sort of. Uh, sort of, sort trap. of. I thought maybe we, you know, obviously they've been kind of reinventing the narrative and and, and always like um, filling in the blanks from, from, from the past. Why not just have a mashup of two old films Bond film. So, what about Thunderfinger? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Yeah. And again, that could help define a lot. Okay. <laughs> but my, my favorite one, and this is true, right? So, on the still game set, um, I don't know how you managed to do this, but Paul Riley managed to convince Mark Cox for two full days, I think, that there was a Bond film called "To Whom It May Concern." <laughs> and it sounds like a Bond film, doesn't yeah. it? I, I I can see where that would work. That, that, you can that. imagine Bassey singing to whom it may concern. <laughs> and yeah, Mark thought that was a genuine Bond film for two days. So um, yeah, I'll leave you with to whom it may concern. It sounds like the start of an angry email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You're sincerely a quantum of solace. So um, uh, yes, um, I think. What about Hamraker? Hamraker. <laughs> Or yeah. I suppose if you're combining ham and broccoli, something to do with quiche, like geese quiche or something, I don't know. Um, <laughs> geese quiche. <laughs> the 
Royale. Keish Royale. Yeah. Keish Royale. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I know you have to. Yeah, you have to go straight away. So I suppose it's just for us to say thank you so much, Sajiv Kohli, for for coming on the podcast. It's been such a a, a great laugh to, ha- to have you on, and an honour for us to have you as a guest as well. And when will this still be released? And yes, and it's all down here. Don't all downhill from here. All downhill from here. I, I would absolutely watch a Bond film called All Downhill. From here. <laughs> Bond's turning fifty, and that's what Q's written on the card. <laughs> it's all downhill for here. P.S. You can have all of my leftover gout medication, and that's how the film starts. <laughs> Bond seriously wondering whether he just goes into um, a consultation security work, and then he gets pulled in for that last job. One last job. Getting too old for this shit. Yeah, but actually, get, he also gets a hernia and uh, gallstones and a collapsed R syndrome. It's right. It writes itself. And it's called Thunderfinger because um, that's what happens. He actually says to his nephew at a party, "Pull my finger," and he shits himself because. <laughs> Lost all control of his bowels. I think that's the bond we need to see. John Hamm playing it really vulnerable, feeling his age. Still, no, still kicking shit, but you're also, you know. Also doing shit. Also doing shit, defecating in casinos. Brilliant. What a way to end. That's a lovely image to leave our audience with. Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh, that's cheered me right up, that has. Wow, that was, uh, well, this is going to sound horrible. Well, not horrible, maybe a bit mean. We've got lots of friends that are very funny. You know, I find you very funny. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between, like, your mate's funny and a comedian funny. And, you know, it's yeah, next I mean, level, isn't it? Like, the speed, the, like, the cleverness, the wit. Like, when you when you speak to a, a real professional comedian, you know straight away. Bang, 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 bang. Joke, yeah. joke, joke. Insult, insult, <laughs> insult. So many insults. I, I, that was the easiest challenge I've ever had because literally the first the first <laughs> thing he said was insulting both of us. So I felt like yeah. I just I just switched off for the rest of the recording because, uh, yeah, brilliant. That was... Uh, I have to say, decidedly mediocre film choices, but... Yeah, fun all the same. Well, having said that, um, you know, yeah, John Hamm, Margot Robbie, maybe were we heard before. I think I said it in the recording. Like, um, that's a good build a bond pick, Sean Harris, because someone that you're aware of and you've and you've maybe seen in a few bits pieces, and then when you when you actually look at his like back catalog for the first time, you realize, oh, he's been in loads of stuff that I like, and he's always really good. Um, so for me, that saved the yeah, what was maybe a kind of so so uh, select. Mm. Uh, the Sean Harris I thought was 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 really nice, but um, yeah, it's not about that. It's about uh, taking the piss out of each other, and he was very good at that. <laughs> yeah, I know. How close did we come right at the end there to getting an Idris Elba? Well, I, I was I was going to look at you because I, he said oh, I've got to get I've got to get away right away. So I was like, if we if we go into the whole palaver of the Idris Elba, then it's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be late to pick up his kids for football. So. We don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to uh, ruin his relationship with his uh, with his kids. We'll get. We'll let him away with that. But he didn't quite. He didn't quite cast Idris Elba. But he referenced him, but it wasn't a casting. So I think yeah, that's all that's fine. Um, but yes, brilliant fun, um, brilliant guest, and great to be back. To be honest, that was. Uh, you forget how much fun it is chatting to people I know. about silly nonsense. <laughs> so fun, um, and yeah, let's do a whole more. Let's do nine more of them. <laughs> I look forward to it. Oh yes, and do find us on social media. I believe it's not called Twitter anymore. Is that correct? Since since we last recorded, actually, the world yeah. is the world's turned upside down, and Twitter is now called X. Um, but we're still on there, and we're still called the same, and still the same app. Um, yes. So, uh, normal service from our perspective continues. 
Instagram is still the same. It's still buildabond 7 and that's all. That's all. That's all. All of us so far. We've not yeah. branched out into any other ones yet. No, and I don't see us doing that either. No, I think branching we're out. Yeah, we're not. We're not big branchers outers. No. Right. Till next time. Till next time. Thanks to you, Fraser. Thanks to you, listener. And thanks to me, Stuart. And thanks to. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sanjeev Kohli. No. Okay. I, th- I don't know. It's just, well, you just thanked yourself. That kind of left me a bit. Oh, sorry. Well, I thanked you first. I know, but you don't just say, thank myself. Thank me. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy. Okay. Until the next time. Good night.